Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Good to see everyone back. Good morning this morning. Uh, one first-time guest came from the uh, door hangers that we hang out, hung out yesterday. So that's exciting. Uh, he was um, from the middle section, the last section that we came to at the end uh, there. Um, so uh, it's great to see. I was telling John and Julie yesterday when we started the church, we hung out 12,000 door hangers, uh, bags with John Romans and invites to church and things like that. We had one person come as a result of 12,000 uh, door hangers. Yesterday, we hung out 500, and we had one visitor come. So that's a pretty good ratio compared to our past ratios. Uh, so that's exciting, exciting to see. We had another, like I said, another uh, lady that called was that had some questions about where the church was and things like that as well uh, that got uh, um, a door hanger on her door as well so that's exciting and uh, we were able to do it pretty quick uh, so if you can help us on the 27th I hope that you will uh, we'll get out the last it's not it's actually gonna be like 486 I think something like that uh, door hangers that we got to get out um, the last week, last Saturday of March. So if you can come and be a part of that, we'd sure love to have you. And uh, good crowd yesterday. Again, thank you for coming out uh, for that. I remember the early days um, with just Katie and me and Brett and Camden, but Camden was barely, I mean, he was walking, but not enough to be walking the sidewalk. So uh, uh, tugging him in a, in a little wagon and uh, hitting doors. And it's a lot easier when you've got a large group of people and so thank you for coming thank you for your help and let's continue to pray the Lord will give us fruit from that uh, as well and excited to introduce the community to us to make sure they know that we're here and uh, we need to keep doing that as well and we'll continue to discuss plans moving forward we'd like to do something like that on a somewhat regular basis um, maybe not necessarily getting out 500 but um, uh, getting out and hitting a neighborhood and uh, things like that. We need, to, we need to be doing that, especially now that we're new to the area um, and we haven't had a chance to do a whole lot in the community yet. Uh, and we're, you know, we'll have the, the kids event in the summer, the kids extravaganza. Um, we'll have a group, a youth group here that'll be helping us with that as well. Um, and they're gonna help us canvas for that event, but we want our church to all also obviously be preparing for that and helping with that. That's in June. Uh, we've got the family extravaganza in November. The more I think about it, we, it's probably not the best time of year to be doing it outside. But nonetheless, uh, we've got that going on in November. Might change that next year, but we've already kind of got it, the speaker scheduled and the things scheduled for it. So we'll, we'll stick to it this year. But nonetheless, those kinds of things, we we'll want to get the word out and uh, as well as just regularly inviting people to come and excited about that indeed. We'll have a baptism at the end of the service this morning. Looking forward to that, Nathan and Annie. Uh, getting baptized, and uh, we'll do that here following Jeremiah 29. I don't want to take too much time on it today, um, but uh, let's look at verse 1. It kind of gives us the setting. If you remember in chapter 28, uh, you had the false prophet, uh, Hananiah, that was out saying, oh, it's only going to last two years and everything will be back, and that was not true, <laughs> and, and Jeremiah told him such, and he ended up dying there. Verse 17 of chapter 28 tells us, just as God had told him, this year you're going to die, and he did indeed do that. Now, chapter 29, 
It gives us the setting of, of this portion of the Scripture. It says, Now these are the words of the letter of Jeremiah the prophet, sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So the letter is going from Jeremiah in Jerusalem to Babylon and the captives that are there. Uh, verse 2, and, the, and that jo Jeconiah, the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and carpenters and the smiths, hey, see, you guys are in the Bible, uh, and departed from Jerusalem by the hand of uh, Elisa, the son of Shaphan the, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, so all that's the introduction. Now verse 4, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that I carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Again, it's just a reminder, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do this. God did. Nebuchadnezzar didn't overpower God's people. God gave to Nebuchadnezzar these captives. So God's the one that sent them away. Now in verses 5 and 6, He's basically saying, make the best of the situation and don't go against what God has ordered. Verse 5, build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. So you understand the command here. You're in Babylon, you're captive in Babylon. Guess what? You're not coming home anytime soon. So make yourself comfortable. Go ahead and go through life the way that you would if you were here. There's a couple reasons for that, but here he talks about building houses, planting gardens, marrying, having children, and he says that you may increase while in captivity and not diminish. We, I want you to grow in this time. You realize that in trials, whether it be because of discipline that God is doing to us, or just because of trials that we have in our life, God still desires growth. There's never a point where God will tell you, I want you to diminish. Now, yes, I know, he must increase, but I must decrease. I get that. But what I'm saying is, spiritually speaking, God is always desiring that you're growing. You're never going to hit an age where you can say, you know what, I think I know everything I need to know in the Bible for my life. One of the hardest things to do that is also one of the easiest things to do is to preach in a nursing home. The reason why is because in a nursing home, no one can hear you, and uh, they have no idea what you're saying. The other, the other the reason why it's hard is because you have people who've lived a long life, typically, and most of the sermons are talking about you know, growing and doing more and serving God and all those sorts of things, and you have to be thoughtful uh, when you're preaching to an older audience because, you know, they're not going to go out and get a job and they're not going to go out and, and get a new wife or a new husband and have kids and those sorts of things. Um, I've always felt like as someone learning how to preach, the best thing to do is go preach at a nursing home because it's great practice because you're preparing and you're putting together sermons and you're delivering sermons. That's important to practice. And the great thing is, is they're just happy that you're there. And you can preach the worst sermon on earth, and they're still going to like you. And they're going to say thank you for coming and, and all those kinds of things as well. Um, so, but, but I say all that to say that even at that point in life, that doesn't mean that God says you don't need to grow anymore. We can always continue to learn and to grow 
uh, from what God has given us in His Word. And here he says, even in this trial, even in this disciplinary stage, I don't want you to diminish, I want you to increase. And specifically, he's talking your houses and people and everything like that as well. But I think it's a good picture and a good, good illustration for us. Verse 7, he says, Seek peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. He says, I want you to be praying, and not only praying, but also contributing to peace in Babylon. You're not, you're not going to buck the system. You're not going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to follow the rules. I want you to go through and, and promote peace, be a part of peace, and pray for peace. Because if Babylon is having peace, you are having peace as well. Pray for the good. Pray for good to happen. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I, I, you think uh, if, if a politician gets voted in as a president and you don't like that person, and the thought of, I don't want that person to succeed, I want them to be the worst president ever, that's not good for the country. <laughs> All right? That's not a positive thing. Uh, we should be praying for peace. We should be praying for wisdom. We should be praying that our leaders do right. All those sorts of things, as opposed to praying for the downfall of an individual. And that's more than just the president of any individual. We should not be praying for downfalls. We should be praying for change and, uh, and God's working in them. He gives a reminder in verses 8 and 9, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners uh, that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to their, uh, your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in thy name, excuse me, in my name, and I have not sent them, saith the Lord. So it's again the warning about false teachers, people who are telling you that it's different than what I've already told you. They're not right. They've not come from me. He gives them some hope and a promise in verse 10. He says, Thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. I'm going to bring you back, but it's not in two years, it's in 70 years. And he has a purpose, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He said there is a purpose behind all of this. I have a plan, now you just need to follow it. You know, you're going to come up with ideas that you think are far better than staying in Babylon this long. Just stick with it. I have a, I have a purpose. Stick it out. Just do what I'm telling you to do. Just keep obeying, and everything will work out the way it's supposed to work out. And it'll be for your good, by the way, not for your evil. Um, verse 12, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. I have written down in my Bible, prayers prayed, get answered. Uh, if you're not going to pray the prayer, don't expect it to be answered. Prayers prayed, get answered. You think about Daniel, and uh, especially as the time was nearing an end in Babylon, we see Daniel praying more, I believe, as well uh, there. Uh, skip down to verse 15. We're not going to read all of it here for sake of time this morning, but uh, he begins a, a, again to a warning about who you should listen to, who you should not listen to. Uh, verse 15, because ye have said, The Lord hath raised up prophets in Babylon. He says in verse 16, Know that thus saith the Lord, the King that sitteth upon the throne of David, and of all the people that dwelleth in this city, and of your brethren that are not gone forth uh, with you into captivity. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send upon them the sword and the famine and the pestilence, and will make them like vile figs, excuse me, that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. 
It's just continuing to, to listen to what God has said and don't get uh, um, uh, veered off course by those that are saying something that sounds better, but it's not true. Verse 19, he says, Because they have not hearkened to my words, saith the Lord, which I sent unto them by my servant the prophets, rising up early and sending them, but ye would not hear, saith the Lord. Again, it's, it's that, that the whole reason why this is happening is because you refuse to listen to what I had to say. God speaking. He refused to listen to what I had to say. So after he says, you have not listened, you would not hear, verse 20, the first two words is, hear ye. All right, so he says, you have not hearkened, you have not listened, you have not heard what I've had to say, now you better listen. Hear ye, therefore, the word of the Lord, all ye kept uh, of the captivity, whom I have sent, again, reminder, God did it, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he goes on uh, some more with the warning and, and the reminder of why they're there, uh, the false prophets, all of that plays in uh, to all this. Skip down to verse 24. Thus shalt also speak uh, to Shemaiah uh, the uh, Nehelamite, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Because thou hast sent letters in thy name unto all the people that are in Jerusalem, uh, and to Zephaniah the son of Maaseh, Saiah, the, the priest, and all the priests saying, The Lord hath made thee priest in the steel of uh, Jehoiada, the priest. The point is, someone sent a letter back saying, You know, I'm of God. God didn't call up Shemaiah uh, to be the prophet. He called Jeremiah to be the prophet. And false prophets continued to, to preach this message that, that everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to return to normal. All these sorts of things. And the whole time, Jeremiah's been preaching the Word of God, saying, if you don't repent, you're going into captivity. Captivity came. You're going to be there for a while. No, 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 Jeremiah. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm from God. It's going to end soon. Jeremiah, from God. No, it's not going to end soon. It's going to take a little while. And, and Jeremiah consistently said, the captivity is coming, while the other prophets said, it's not going to happen. You're not going to go into captivity. Then once the captivity came, the false prophet said, it's going to be over soon. And Jeremiah, you, you'd think people would understand, these people don't know what they're talking about. But what did they do? They said, I am come of God. Just because someone says, the Bible says, doesn't mean the Bible says. Right? Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know what the good book says? And they say something and you go, where is that at in the good book? <laughs> right? People all the time are quoting the good book and they don't even know what the good book says. Take it to the Bible, search it out. If Scripture says it, believe it. If it doesn't, say it. Flush it down the toilet. Verse 30 says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Send to all of them of the captivity, saying, Thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah, uh, the Nehelamite, because that Shemaiah hath prophesied unto you, and I sent him not, and he caused you to trust in a lie. Doesn't that sound familiar from last week's chapter? He's causing them to trust in a lie. Verse 32, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Nehelamite and his seed. It's not going to just affect him. It's going to affect his family. He shall not have a man to dwell among this people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord, because he hath taught rebellion against the Lord. Again, missed opportunities. Go back to Moses. It, it, to me, it blows my mind because it seems like the simplest thing. God said, speak to the rock and water will come forth. Moses hit the rock because he was angry with the people. And that's what he did the first time. God told him to do it the first time. This time God says, speak to the rock. 
Moses is mad, so he hits the rock. God still gives the water to the people, but he says, Moses, now you are not going to step foot in the promised land. Now God is telling the people, build houses, marry, have kids, continue to increase the nation, because I am coming again to, re- to relieve you of this, uh, to rescue you out of this, to restore you out of this. And now he says to this one, Shemaiah, you will not see those blessings, and neither will your family. You will not have a man to dwell among this nation. Your lineage is done. All because some guy decided he wanted to say he was of God and prophesy something that sounded a lot better than what Jeremiah was saying. It should remind us that God's word is final. and We should listen to it and we should follow it. We should share it. We should not add to it. We should not take away from it. We should just speak it as it is. And there will be people that you'll say, boy, if I could just make this sound a little bit more pleasant, it's not true, don't say it. You know, again, I come back to this, but hell is real. And people need to know that it's real. Because you need to know, you know, what does it matter, right? What does it matter if I just live life the way that I want to live it, if I just live happily on this earth? Well, it matters because you're going to be punished for your sin because all sin must be punished. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ died for my sins and He died for your sins. And if you'll call upon Him, if you'll place your faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you can be saved because He's paid the punishment. But the Bible says that anyone who does not trust Christ for their salvation, anyone who does not call upon the name of the Lord, they're going to go to hell. A real, literal place. And they're going to spend eternity there. And yet there are so many so-called Christians today that say, I don't really want to talk about that. And I get it. There was a generation or there was a, a clique of Christians who that's all they ever talked about. And there is so much more to the Bible than hell. I mean, I contrast, there's heaven. <laughs> that's a pretty awesome place. But there's so much more. So I get it. It's not, a, it's not that we've got to sit there and scream, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. I get that, but we need to talk about it. Because it is real and it is going to happen. But we have to speak the truth and we have to speak it boldly and we have to speak it with love. Jeremiah, I believe, did both of those things. Jeremiah loved these people. They were his people. And he wasn't saying... You know, captivity's coming and it's good for you to go through this. You deserve this. No, he didn't want it to happen. But God said, Jeremiah, here's my word, speak it. And now God tells us, here's my word, speak it. Speak it as it is. The truth that it is. And then allow God to work in hearts, to change lives. Because this book, which is filled with God's Word, is powerful. It's quick. It's alive. It's active. It's sharp. It can pierce through the hardest of hearts. I can't do that. And my fluff can't do that. God's Word can. So let's stick to it. Let's proclaim it boldly. And let's let it do the job that it's intended to do as well. God, help us. Help us to speak truth. 
Help us to speak it boldly. Help us to speak it in love. And God, I pray that you would allow us to be witness to the moving power of your word, that we can watch lives change because of it. God, help us to be faithful, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have Jason come. We're going to do a song or two, depending on time-wise. Uh, Nathan, Annie, you guys can go ahead and get changed. I'm going to get ready to go. And once we're ready, we'll have a baptism.